1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says this, just as a body, a physical body, a human body, though it is one body, has many parts, but all its many parts form the one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized, say baptized, we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Everybody say body. It's important that you get that. Baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Gentile, whether slave or free, we were all given of the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Would you pray with me? Father, would you bless the reading of your word this morning um, and use it, Lord, and, and come alongside, Holy Spirit, the words on the page to touch our lives and touch our hearts and help us be drawn closer to you today. Lord, uh, you, you said that you would draw all men unto yourself. And so, Lord, we, you're drawing us and we're answering the call to come closer to you today as we dive into your word together. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So I'm starting a new series today called Baptized, a new series called Baptized. And the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking about there's actually three types of baptism in the New Testament. So usually when we hear the word baptism, we think of water baptism. Maybe you grew up in a tradition where they sprinkled you as a baby, or maybe you grew up in a tradition where you went down to the river and you got dunked and it felt like they almost drowned you because of how they, they baptized. But, but we're, that's normally what we think of when we talk about baptism is the water baptism. And that is one of the baptisms in the New Testament. But there are actually three were three three ways the New Testament uses the word baptism. And so every week for the next few weeks, we're going to look at one of those ways. And so today is the first one. And, and I want to I just talk about this New Testament word baptized for just a second and kind of give you a definition. Because the word baptized is a, uh, I talk about, if you've been here going to church here long, you've heard me talk about the tricky Bible words. That there are words in the Bible that we think we know what they mean because we've heard them so many times. And it's just part of the Christianese lingo. And we think that we understand what it means. But but sometimes the Bible is saying something that looks like a familiar word, but we don't realize what it's really talking about because it just can get tricky. So the word baptized, of course, like I mentioned, it, it can talk about and it can be about water baptism, that ritual where as a new believer you go, or, or in some traditions as a baby, they go and they pour water, they dunk you in water, they sprinkle water, whatever it might be. Um, and, and, and there might be, though, other ways that you might have heard that word used. You might have heard of the baptism in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about that in a couple of weeks. And uh, you might not be familiar with all the different ways, but, but this scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, when it uses the word baptized, the, the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, he says that we are all baptized by one spirit into, not water, into, not the spirit, the spirit's the one doing the baptizing. He says that we were all baptized into a body, into a body. And he's using the idea of a physical human body. Now, 
the word baptize is actually not originally a Christian word. It's, a, it's an ancient Greek word that was used way before Christians ever came on the scene. It was used for thousands of years among the Greek people. And that word in the Greek is baptizdo. Say baptizdo. Baptizdo. And, and uh, it's not a Christian word. It's not necessarily even a religious word. It's, it's actually a very broad word that can mean many things. But when the New Testament was written, the early... Uh, believers, early uh, Christian believers started to use the secular word baptizo to describe uh, certain aspects of the Christian walk. And there are three different ways it uses it, but today we're looking at the first, and here's the definition. To be removed, listen, from one substance and placed into another substance. The word baptism means to be, or one definition of the word baptism means to be removed from one place and placed in another place. Everybody say placed. So this baptism that we're talking about is all about being placed. Let me give you an example. I grew up in, on the East Coast and I grew up near Norfolk, Virginia, where one of the largest shipbuilding operations in the world is. And so I, I, it was a regular thing if we went shopping. I grew up in a small town, so it's like us. If we have to go somewhere, you know, to go shopping, you're going school shopping, you got to go somewhere. So we would always go toward like Chesapeake, Virginia Beach, Norfolk, and we would pass by the shipyard. And there would be these massive cruise ships, battleships, warships, and they would be up on dry dock. And, and on this dry dock, they would work on the ship and they would do what they needed to do to fix the ship or build the ship. But then when they were done, they would launch that boat off of the dry dock and it would slip into the ocean. And the Greeks were a shipbuilding people. And when they talked about the ships that they would build in dry dock, when they would launch that ship into the water, the word they would use is baptized, baptisto, because it was on dry land and it was removed from the land and it was launched into the water. So it was removed from the dry dock and it was placed into the water and that word they would use to describe that process is baptisto, baptism. So baptism is about placement. You were one place, but you, were, you left that place and you were put in another place. That's what the word baptism means when we're talking about it in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now listen to this. That ship looks beautiful up on the dry dock. It looks wonderful up there. It, it, it looks great up there. It was so cool as a kid to drive past and see these massive boats that were up on dry dock. It was so amazing to see all the work that was done as a kid. But listen, that boat can never serve its intended purpose on land. It never serves its purpose until it's baptized and it's launched into the water where it belongs. So that's what the image that we want to have in our mind when the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the Holy Spirit has baptized you into the body of Christ. He's not talking in this passage about water. 
He's not talking about in this passage when they dunked you underwater or when they sprinkled your head. He's not talking about the day that maybe you had an encounter with God and you spoke in other tongues. He's not talking about that. He's talking about the day that you used to be in sin and you used to be in the world, but you gave your life to Jesus. And so the Holy Spirit took you out of your sin and placed you into the body of Christ. It's talking about the first baptism is the day you got saved. It's before you ever touched the water. It's before you ever uh, were filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about those in a couple of weeks. This baptism is your salvation. It's the day when you were removed by the Holy Spirit from a life of sin, removed from the world, and he places you in the body of Christ. If you are a believer today, if you have been washed in the blood, if you have given your life to Jesus, you are a member of his body. You're a member of the church. I'm not talking about you signed a card and you... uh, gained official church membership here at some other church. I'm talking about the moment you made Jesus Lord of your life. The moment you called on him and said, save me from my sin. I make you Lord of my life. You became a member of his church. Universal. You became a member, a part of the body of Christ, the family of God on that day. And that's a good thing. Amen. Amen. So whether even if you've not been baptized in water yet, even if you've not been filled with the baptism in the Holy Spirit yet, we're not talking about those. We're talking about the day you got saved. The day you bowed your knee before Jesus and said, Lord, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. In that instant, he baptized you into his body because baptized in this sense means placed. He placed you in the church. He placed you in his family. He placed you in the body of Christ. In fact, the word church means exactly that. The Greek word for church is ekklesia. And the word ekklesia, it literally means the ones who've been called out. See, when you become a member of the church, when you get saved, he calls you out of what you used to be in and he places you in his body. He places you in his family. And so this baptism is all about placement because if you really get saved, if you really get born again, I'm not talking about you just said something so that mom would get off your back. And I'm not talking about you just were a part of a church growing up. I'm talking about you really gave your life to Jesus and he became the Lord and the master of your life. You were removed immediately from sin. You were removed immediately from whatever situation you found yourself in. And the Holy Spirit did a definite, real work in your life where he placed you in the family of God. Because this baptism is all about placement. Following Jesus, listen to me, is all about placement. Paul says immediately the Holy Spirit removes you from your old way of life and puts you into the family of God because God knows that placement always affects outcomes. Placement 
always decides outcomes. Where you place yourself. Listen, this is so important. Who you place yourself around. The situations you place yourself in. The groups you place yourself in. The friends you place in your life. The girls or the boys that you place in your life. The substances you place in your life. The opportunities placed in your life. They all will have an effect and determine the outcome of your life. Where you place yourself matters. Where you place yourself matters. What you place in your life matters. What you place in your circle and in your sphere of influence, it matters because it will determine where you will end up in life. And some of us in the room, we have found ourselves in situations today. You're in a circumstance today that was directly caused by where you placed yourself last week, last month, last year, last decade. Because where you placed yourself back then started a chain of events that led to where you're at right now. I know this doesn't apply to anyone in the room, but listen to this. The cops didn't place handcuffs on you until you placed yourself somewhere you shouldn't have been. I know that doesn't apply to any of y'all. I know this doesn't apply to anyone in the room, but you got placed in the principal's office because of who you chose to place yourself next to in the classroom when you knew you'd be distracted and you knew that wasn't any good and that wasn't a good idea. Because where you place yourself now determines where you're going to end up placed later. See, if you choose the wrong placement today, you might not get to choose where you're placed tomorrow. Because placement decides and determines outcomes. It works in a positive way too. They placed you on the honor roll at school because when you could have been running around with your little friends, you decided to place yourself in front of a textbook instead. They, they, they placed you in that office with that promotion because you placed yourself at work on time every day, doing your best, grinding it out, doing the hard work. So where you place yourself matters for the future. Placement's everything. Placement decides outcomes. Where you place yourself now determines where you'll be located in the future. You placed yourself in church on a Sunday morning and you placed yourself sitting next to mama on Mother's Day. That matters and it makes a difference coming up in the future. The places you go, the, 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 the people you place in your life, the influences you place in your mind and your emotions, the music you place in your ears, the words that you place in the atmosphere around you, they all contribute directly to the direction that your life will take. But God has provided a way for you to transition your placement, for you to change up where you've been placed. He has provided a way to reposition you from one place and put you in another. God knew that we as human beings, that we tended to make mistakes in where we place ourselves. Every one of us in the room can say, you remember a time where you were in the wrong place at the wrong time. And, and, and God knows that we tend to not have the best judgment all the time about where we should place ourselves. And he has seen since Adam and Eve in the garden where they placed themselves talking to the snake instead of talking to God. 
He has seen time and time again that we tend to make mistakes when we choose where to place ourselves and we go to the wrong place and we, we get the wrong influences in our lives and we're in the wrong time, we're at the wrong people and it's a cycle over and over again. We can tend to make these mistakes, go to the same wrong place, living with the wrong people, shacking up with the wrong person, doing the wrong thing, being with the God knows that this happens and each time we go through the cycle, we end up placing ourselves further and further away from light. And we end up placing ourselves further and further away from truth and from hope and from God's purpose for our lives. And sometimes, listen, through our own bad choices and our own bad decisions, we end up placing ourselves in a totally hopeless situation and in a totally dark place. And sometimes it feels easier to sit in the dark than to be able to look around and make the tough choices about where we ought to place ourselves. God knew that you and I, we tend to place ourselves incorrectly. We tend to place ourselves in darkness rather than light. We tend to place ourselves in sin rather than accountability. We tend to place ourselves in depression more than joy. I want to talk about that for a second. It's not in my notes, but the Lord just prompted me. Sometimes things like depression and anxiety, sometimes you didn't necessarily choose that depression and you didn't necessarily choose that anxiety. That's just a part of life. But sometimes it's easier to stay there than to fight it. And I've seen this work out in people's lives before because someone is severely depressed. They, they've got something going on. And so everybody in their life is trying to be understanding and trying to, trying to just, you know, comfort them. And so, so we enable people sometimes to stay in the dark. Oh, it's, so, it's too hard for you to go out and get a job. It's too hard for you to get in the car and go to counseling. It's too hard for you. And so we just, and then what happens is, listen to me, I want to be very careful about what I'm saying. What happens is we start taking care of everything else in that person's life. And so you don't have to go to the grocery store because you're depressed, so I'll go to the grocery store. And you don't have to go to pay the bills because you've got anxiety, so I'll go do it. And all of these things and for the person in the depression, it's easier to stay there and let everybody else take care of everything than to fight the darkness and go do what I know I'm supposed to do. And so we choose to stay in that dark place. And we choose to stay in that fear because to conquer it, to overcome it, means I have to go to work. And to conquer it and overcome it means I have to take responsibility. And so every, and this is science, every uh, uh, emotional issue or, or mental issue, there are, there are benefits to it. Because if I'm depressed, then I can let someone else deal with everything. But it, it's, it's not worth the cost to stay in the dark. And, and God knows that if we are left on our own, we'll choose depression. He knows if we're left on our own, we'll choose fear. We'll choose anxiety. And, and the enemy knows 
The enemy knows you'll choose it. And he'll, he'll try to keep you trapped in that. And before you know it, I'm not saying you caused that issue that initially created that atmosphere for depression. I know there's chemical imbalances. I know that there's biology involved. But we can get there and then we can almost enjoy it there. And stay there instead of fight. And I'm speaking from experience here, y'all. You've heard my testimony. You've heard my past. You know that I have been in the darkest of pits. And at times, sometimes it's just easier to pull your, the covers over your head and not get out of bed in the morning and not go forward. But what we do when we choose that is we're building a prison cell around ourselves. Your life is worth fighting for. Your freedom is worth fighting for. Your future is worth fighting for. And so I, if, if all that you hear today is this, listen, don't settle for the dark. Don't settle for fear. Don't settle for the prison cell that you found yourself placed in, no matter how you placed yourself there or whether you didn't choose to get placed there. Don't stay in the prison cell. You fight it. You go after it. You, you, you say, I'm not going to settle for this. There is hope. There is freedom. Depression is not an incurable disease. Anxiety is not an incurable issue. Fear is not a, uh, does not have to be a lifetime thing. God wants to take you out of that place and put you in a place where there's light, put you in a place where there's joy, put you in a place where there's freedom. And that can be yours today, but you have to choose it. Nobody else can fight that depression you're facing. Nobody else can fight that anxiety that you're facing. Nobody else can fight that fear that you're facing. Only you. You have to say enough is enough. And I'm going to go to counseling. I'm going to take the medication I need to take. I'm going to pray at the altar. I'm going to read my word. I'm going to be in church. I'm going to be a part of the family of God. I'm going to take a holistic approach that on every side of me, I'm going to build a support system that they will not let me settle for darkness any longer. You've got to choose it. I don't know why that was not in my notes, but if that was somebody here today, the word of the Lord for you today is don't settle for darkness. Amen? God knew that you and I, we tended to place ourselves incorrectly. But the story of the gospel is that God, in his great love for you and me, he left his place in heaven to meet us in our dark places here on earth. And the man, Jesus, God in the flesh, left his place of privilege on the throne room of heaven and, and ruler of the entire universe. And he came to dwell with us in our place, in our darkness, in our sin, and to lead us out into the light. And then he took our place place on the cross. He took our place in the grave and he, the God of the universe, he destroyed darkness for all time with the light of his love. And he fought his way out of a grave so that you and I could follow him out. And God did all of this so that as it says in Colossians chapter one, he could rescue us from the dominion of darkness and he could transfer us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. See, he says later on, Paul writes, he says, you once were alienated. Another translation says, you once were placed far from God, but now he has reconciled you through his death and resurrection. In other words, you once, every single one of us, there is no exceptions. All of us were once placed in the darkness of sin. But Jesus has repositioned you when you come to faith in him and he has placed you in the kingdom of his marvelous life. And once you were placed far away from God, but Jesus made a way for you to be reconciled, be brought back in and be brought near. And Paul is saying, you might once have been in darkness, 
But when you choose Jesus, when you choose Christ, when you choose to live for him, if you'll just make him Lord, the second you call on him, he takes you out of that darkness and places you in his kingdom. The Holy Spirit will rush in and he will rescue you and he will pick you up out of your mess and he will immediately baptize you, place you in his kingdom, in his body, in his family. Because baptized means to be placed It means to be established. It means to be planted. Baptized into the body of Christ when you get saved. Baptized and placed into the kingdom of God that moment you call on Jesus. Baptized and established in the family of God the moment you make him Lord of your life. There's a roadblock, though. See, we love the idea of being part of a family, don't we? We love the idea of belonging. We love the idea of forgiveness. We love the idea of the body of Christ and being part of it. We want that. But the tricky thing is, if you want to be placed somewhere new, you've got to be willing to be removed from where you used to be. If you want God to do something new in your life, if you want God to take you to a new place, if you want God to do something in your life, you've got to be willing to let him remove you from where you used to be. And that's the hang-up for a lot of us. See, uh, your, your issue isn't being placed with Christ. You want to be placed in the body of Christ. You, you want to be in the kingdom. You want his forgiveness. You want to be in the family. Your, your issue today maybe is being removed from the old thing. That prison cell has gotten a little too comfortable. That prison cot gotten a little too comfortable. You've made that cell comfortable. You've drawn your little cartoon graffiti on the wall and you've got your posters and you've got your, you know, all it's set up just how you like it in that prison cell. But as much as you dress up a prison cell, it's still a prison cell. As comfortable as you make it, there's still no freedom in it. And that's exactly what life is like apart from Christ. It's exactly what placing yourself outside of God's light will do, outside of truth will do, outside of the family of God will do. It will put you in prison. It will keep you chained to that bottle. It'll keep you chained to that website you shouldn't be on. It'll keep you chained to that pill. It'll keep you chained to those unhealthy cycles. And there have been offers and there have been opportunities. And time and time again, you've been given the opportunity to get free and break the cycle. There have been people walking by your cell every day saying, hey, I know the way out. Hey, I know how to find change in your life and freedom in your life. Your parents tried to get you out. Your friends tried to get you out. Your pastor tried to get you out. Your friends before, before, before you ever got in trouble tried to get you out. But you decided, I placed myself here. I'm just going to be comfortable in my darkness and in my prison cell. And yeah, that forgiveness stuff sounds good and Jesus sounds cool and that might be for some people, but if having him means leaving here, I'd rather just stay here. Here's the thing. This prison cell never gets better. It always gets darker. It'll always keep you longer than you thought you wanted to stay. It will always get colder. And the locks will always get stronger until you call on the name of Jesus. That's why he said once you were trapped in the kingdom of darkness, you were trapped in sin. Jesus came and he rescued you. He transferred you out of the kingdom of darkness. He removed you from that place you used to be. And he placed you in his kingdom where there is light and there is love and there is hope. So to be placed by definition in a new place means to be removed from the old place. 
And I just wonder if there's anyone listening to me this morning or listening online or that's going to listen to this sermon sometime in the future and you're tired of the prison cell and you're tired of the lights getting dimmer and the room getting colder and you just want out. I wonder if there's anyone that would just say, God, would you rescue me from this prison cell even if it was my fault and I built it myself? I want to be removed from this sin. I want to be removed from this darkness, but I want to be placed. I want to be placed in a place of hope and purpose and destiny and calling. I want to go where God has called me to be. I've been living life on the dry dock, and I can never fulfill my purpose on the dry dock. I've got to be launched into open water. I've got to be launched into my purpose. I've got to be baptized into what God has for me. See, placement determines outcomes, and placement means removal. And then the context of 1 Corinthians 12, though, where Paul is talking about all of us, that we have been baptized by one spirit into one body, he's talking about your life's purpose. Because placement creates purpose. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, he says, just as a body, a human body, has many parts, so it is with the body of Christ. For we were all baptized, we were all placed, we were all positioned and established by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. Whether you were Jew or Gentile, Greek or slave, or free or or slave, what he's saying there is it doesn't matter your background, it doesn't matter the past, if God saved you, he saved you for a purpose. Whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, no matter where you came from, we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, so it's not all about me. I'm not the only part. I'm just a part. It's not about me. I contribute to the whole. So he says, now if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it would not, be, it would, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. And if the eye should say, because I'm uh, not an eye, I, should, I don't belong in the body, it would not be for that reason to stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? He's saying everybody is different in the body of Christ. And everybody has a different role to play. Not all of you are supposed to sing. That is not my gift and it's not my calling. If y'all ever see me up here, like between worship and the transition and, you know, we're kind of singing, so I hold the mic like way down here because I don't want you to hear it because that is not my calling. That's not my part in the body of Christ. Not all of you are called to preach. Not all of you are called to be on a platform. And, and, And can I be honest with you? Most ministry doesn't happen here. Most ministry happens in your home. Ministry happens on Wednesday night. Ministry happens in the nursery back there. Ministry happens when you go and visit somebody or have lunch with somebody. That's where ministry happens. We need less platform people. We need more ministry people. So just because you don't fit into what you think it means to be called or what it, you think it means to serve or what you think, you think it means to contribute, you have something to contribute. He says, but in fact, God has placed, that word again, placed, the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. Just as he wanted them to be. So he created you with that interest. And he created you with that talent. 
And he created you with that unique ability and that unique personality because he has something for you to contribute to the body. So he rescued you. And I tell people this all the time. When you got saved, you did not just get saved from sin. And you did not just get saved from hell. When you got saved and gave your life to Jesus, you got saved for something. You got saved for a purpose. You got saved for a calling. You got saved for a destiny. He didn't just call you out of sin so you could warm a red chair until Jesus comes back. He called you out and placed you in this body and placed you in this community and placed you in that house, in that school, in that office, in that job, in that family. He placed you there for a purpose. And you say, well, what about my age? Maybe I'm too old. No, you're not. If you've got a pulse, you have a purpose. You say, what about my age? I'm too young. I can't do what I want to do. Yes, you do. That classroom has just become your mission field. That ball team has just become your mission field. That place that you have been placed by the Holy Spirit through his wisdom that's your purpose right now that's your calling right now you are not just an accident and where you've been placed you are not just an accident of creation you didn't end up here you didn't end up in that job you didn't end up in that family you didn't end up with those kids by accident there is purpose in all of it and you have purpose that God is waiting for you to discover and walk in Paul's whole point here is he's saying listen Let's don't fight about who gets to hold the microphone and who has to clean the toilets. All of us have been called by God out of the kingdom of darkness and have been baptized, have been placed into the body of Christ. And some of us are a hand, some of us are a foot, some of us are an eye, some of us are an ear, but we all have a role to play. You were removed from the old life so that his body could be made whole. And I want you to talk I want to talk, excuse me, for the, a moment to the person in the room who's wondering, you know, I'm saved, I'm in church, but I just don't know where I fit in. I don't know what my role is. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I just came by to tell somebody this morning, you matter to this church. You matter to this family. You matter to this house. You belong here. God brought you here. You belong in that marriage that God put you in. You've been looking for a way out, but God puts you there. Don't look for a way out. Look for a way to make it work. You belong in the community God puts you in. Quit complaining about the community around you and find some way to serve the community around you and be a contributing member of the community around you. You have something to contribute that's meaningful to this church, to this body, to this community. You have something we need. God created you on purpose, and he created you with a purpose. And so he says this, Every part of the body is necessary. There's no appendixes and gallbladders here that we can just remove and just go on with life. No. Every one of you is necessary. Every, he, he brought you here for a reason and for a purpose. Somebody needs you. Somebody needs you to discover your purpose and start walking in it. Somebody needs you to answer the call that God has been tugging at your heart. Hey, start serving on that or start doing that or start being a part of that. And God wants you. He's saying, listen, it's not just for you that you need to participate. God's got someone in mind that he wants to reach through you. And Paul says, God has placed certain people and gifts in his body. He removed people from an old life of sin. He, he saw you in your sin. He saw you in your mess and said, well, so-and-so, he's, he's kind of rotten and he's got a lot of issues going on, but you know what? He sure can sing. I'm going to save him out of that life 
and he's going to use, he's going to sing and, and use his gifts to minister to somebody, and somebody's going to hear his story about how God rescued him. He's going to hear those songs he's written. He's going to hear those songs he's singing. They're going to be touched by it. He saw you in your issue. He saw you in your, in your mess. And he said, yeah, she sure has made some mistakes. And she sure has made a pretty good prison cell for herself. But that girl, she sure can paint. She sure can draw. Man, what if, what if, what if I saved her and filled her with the Holy Ghost and got her free from all of that stuff in her past and she started using those gifts and those talents and people would look at that art and see how beautiful it is and see how wonderful it is and say, man, God must be real because look at how beautiful that is. He saw us where we were and said, I can use that. Everyone in this room, you're gifted. You've been created with purpose. And he needs you out of your prison cell because he wants to use you to reach somebody else. There are people in this room, you're apostles that have been called to claim new territory for the kingdom of God. There are people in this room, you're prophets, and you've been called to speak life-changing words to the next generation. There are people in this room, you're teachers and evangelists, and you've been called to take the word of God and help someone else and lead someone else to Christ. There are miracles of healing and deliverance in your hands. He's just waiting for you to step out and start praying for people and watch people get healed and watch people get delivered and watch people see miracles in their lives. The Holy Spirit has baptized you, has placed you, has established you in the body. He has removed you from where you used to be and he has placed you into a new life and he has placed you with purpose. Amen? I want you to stand with me this morning. Some of you, some of us in the room would might say, if we took a good hard look at our lives, we took stock of where we're at today, we would say, you know what? I'm improperly placed. I placed myself in the wrong relationship. I placed myself in the wrong job. I placed myself in the wrong conversations. And I need to I need to make a change. Because placement decides outcomes. And where I want to be, I can't get there from where I'm at right now. And so I need to make a change of placement. And ultimately that question is are you placed in the kingdom? Have you placed yourself in a relationship with Jesus Christ? Where you know without a shadow of a doubt, He has forgiven me and He loves me and I'm going to serve Him. Even if I'm not perfect, even if I'm praying that prayer, I believe, but help me in my unbelief like we talked about earlier. But I know He hears me and I know that I've submitted my life to Him. I've placed myself in relationship with Christ. That's the first step. That's what we're talking about today. When you do that, He baptizes you into his body. He puts you into his church, into his family, and he gives you a purpose.